Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Benz podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Lauren Smothers, who's the owner of Restore the Home NWA. It's a great interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. Let me know what you think, Blake at GoodAdviceCoaching.com, or leave a comment or review on the podcast. Enjoy, and I'll catch you next week. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. I am sitting down with a good friend of mine. We're about to talk about life and business and entrepreneurship. I'm sitting with Lauren Smothers, and she is the owner and lead organizer of Restore the Home. It's a local business here in Northwest Arkansas. It's a phenomenal business. Absolutely. You're going to probably end up pausing this episode and checking out her business because she does some really inspiring stuff. Lauren, thanks for being here today. I'm so excited. Thanks, Blake. Yeah. So who are you? I mean, I just like totally gabbed about you, but <laughs> let's go ahead and tell the audience, you know, what do you do for a living? What's your business? Yeah. So. Yeah. So this, I'm a, a home organizer here in Northwest Arkansas, and this is something that I've, ever since being even a kid, I've enjoyed organizing. So just helping friends, like there was a specific story I like to reference back in middle school, and I had a sleepover with a girlfriend of mine. And after we had gotten done reading our Mary-Kate and Ashley books, I said, hey, can I clean out your nightstand hmm. like as our next activity? So that's what I've always loved to do. And so now it's it's my job. So you were like the best friend to have over then. Correct. Because like when mom wanted the room clean, it was like, we just need to have her come over. We just turn on the CD player and go. Okay. So yeah. this, is, this is, there's two things that are really interesting about this. First of all, it's it, it reminds me of, and I'm sure you get, Reference to like Marie Kondo yes. all the time. <laughs> but the similarity I think about is how she talked about when she was a kid, she loved to organize the library books at the yeah. library and she would walk up and down. And I thought, wow, that's so sad. But you know, that's, that's what... <laughs> why was that fun to us as kids? I don't know why, but yeah. I've, I've just always loved it. And it's, it's kind of therapeutic in a way. And so getting to do that for other people and walk them through that process, it's also kind of a ministry to me. It's just, it's a feel good job and mm. it, we get stuff done at the end of the day. So... Okay. So, so at a young age, you were obviously really excited about organizing. You really enjoyed what you were doing, but even saying there, right there, what you, you pointed out that, you know, you, you found something that brings a lot of joy to you. It brings yeah. a lot of, of life yeah. to you. Um, you know, w already I'm getting an impression that your business is more than just, you know, you, you reorganize some things or mm -hmm. you, you move things from one place to another, you know, what's, what's, how do you see your business? I mean, I see it as just, I mean, it's definitely a service-based business, but this is like my avenue to kind of pour out my heart of feeling like I'm helping people, yet getting something done at the end of the day. So like the Enneagram, I'm super passionate <laughs> about right now. Of course, it's really trendy, but so I'm a three wing two. So I love to feel like I'm accomplishing things at the end of the day, but also helping people at the same time. So the fact that this kind of fell into my lap a few years ago, it's, it's not something I would have ever picked for myself. But I'm super excited that it's what I get to do because it's just fun and it's really fulfilling for me and the people that I'm helping. So it's a win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's always great when you find something that you love mm -hmm. and you realize, oh my gosh, I can actually make money doing this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Know? That was, that's honestly kind of how it started too. You know, this, it was in April of 2016. I had been at my previous job for about five years 
And then my husband, Mitch, was in a, a very transitional season. So he was coming out of playing college football and like training to hopefully make the NFL, which you knowing me as a friend, were probably there during the season or shortly after. Um, and so we both thought that life would look very different and that we would be taking a different path moving out of state. And so when that door closed and he didn't get drafted, we both kind of didn't have a job for a couple of weeks and thought, okay, well, this will be a good little sabbatical, but what are we going to do? And so I remember sitting on the couch with him one night and saying, I wish I could just organize for people and get paid for it. <laughs> and that was, that was how it started. I texted a few ladies in my phone and said, hey, if you have a room that's cluttered, I'd love to help you clean it up. And looking back, how random is that? But it's really cool to look back and see what that's blossomed into after just a few years of seeing where it went. Mm. So like when you first started, though, like we're I mean, surely there were like these moments of like disbelief of like, oh, yeah, like no one's actually going to pay me to do. Yeah, this, this isn't a thing. <laughs> this isn't a thing. And that's it's a perspective that um, has really shifted in me to see, wow, like this is this is something that not a lot of people are doing, especially in the Northwest Arkansas region. And so the market's just kind of sitting there. It's kind of a new and trendy thing in a way. Um, but wow, it's, it's a real job. And that was, it still blows me away to this day that this is a real thing mm. and people love it and they need it. And, and there's not a lot of people out there helping facilitate that. So mm. I'm just excited for just continued growth and, mm -hmm. and the people that I get to meet along the way. Mm -hmm. That's what honestly means a lot to me too. It's really cool to look back even to the job that I had before this. Um, a lot of those initial first clients were, were patients where I worked with before that became good friends, you know, through seeing them over and over again. And so it's really great to see how those connections just all kind of weave together. And then you wake up three years later and you have a, you have a business. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, and I'm, you know, and obviously the audience can't see you right now, but you guys have to understand that she so much like life in you. I mean, Aww. you're obviously very, it's, it's great how you just light up as you talk about your business. And it's, it's, first of all, you know, as just like a, as I think any customer just loves it when they know that they're the person they're buying from really truly mm. believes in and cares about their business. But I get the impression just listening to you because you've mentioned like how meaningful your work is and yeah. like you love meeting people. I get the impression that it's more than just just organizing totally in, in the sense of it. It doesn't seem it doesn't sound very transactional, mm. like where you show up and you move some things around and uh, and I'm being purposely simplistic here. But you move some things around and you take their money and, yep, see you later. Right. It, it, I, I get the impression, and even through the name of your business, Restore the Home, that there's something very intimate and personal about yeah. that. Yeah. Is, is, that Absolutely. is that right? Or <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I never really saw myself as, as an entrepreneur, even as a kid. So my dad was an entrepreneur and was always kind of self-employed and doing consulting. And I thought, man... I wouldn't want to do that because your income's just never guaranteed and all this stuff. I just never thought that that would be what would fall on my lap. So it's kind of, it's in me, but I didn't, I've never looked at it as, I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to start a business and come up with an idea and have people pay me for it. It really just came out of a passion of something I've enjoyed since being a kid. And then what do you know? People will pay me for it. <laughs> so that's, that's a bonus. Yeah. That's a bonus. Well, and it feels like people sometimes get it backwards in the sense of like, um, I talk to a lot of, especially like younger people or like younger entrepreneurs who were like, well, I just want to be an entrepreneur, you know, right, I should, I right. and it's like this very, uh, it's, it's like the position they want. Right. right. And I, I love how you, you almost flipped it. Right. It's like, there was this passion you really had and, oh my gosh, wow, I can actually make money doing this. Exactly. You know, where do you think the disconnect is for some people who, 
Because a lot of people too, they they're looking to trailblaze and go out for themselves, yeah. but they don't even know what their passion is right. or what they're good at. Right. Or, Which what I admire about those people is that they already have that drive built into them that, man, I want to go out and accomplish something and feel like I'm creating something or giving it back to the world. And they already have that, especially if there are three being an achiever, like that's just wired in them. And that's, that's just really cool that they're even starting off with passion, even if they don't know where they want to direct that. Um, but I, I think it is so important to know, like, to really have a passion for what you're doing. And, I, you know, sometimes that may come in the opposite form of where you're passionate first and then you're able to figure out what that avenue is. But I think it, it, there is something special whenever you can just cultivate something that's already in you or an idea you've already had. And then you realize, wow, this is something different. This is something special. And then and then turn it into something. And I guess that, you know, that passion is obviously what keeps you going. Totally. When you know, on like your worst days or like you have a month where it's like, I didn't make any money this month. Yeah. And that's, that's the crazy thing about being an entrepreneur is you're really like having a lot of faith in your clients or you almost have to put your hope in in people, which is a really hard place to be because you, I don't want to ever look at as these people are dollar signs to me because they are absolutely not. And so, but it's, it's a tricky line to walk because you have to, you know, work the business side of it and make sure you're paying your bills um, and having income. But then again, the relational side of it it's it's such an important balance to especially for the client for them to feel like it's it's truly relational and that you really want to be there with them and that you love what you're doing so yeah hmm. well you you've mentioned the enneagram a couple times yeah. now and so i don't know all i know about the enneagram is that everyone loves it yes <laughs> yes and like are addicted to it almost like obnoxiously of like it's let me tell much. you what my numbers are and i'm like i don't know what that means right <laughs> and so for the listeners how about you give like just a really brief explanation of the Enneagram? Yeah. And then also you said you were three wing. I'm a three wing two. Okay. Yes. What the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I'm pretty new at this. So anyone listening that knows it better than I do, just I'm have get, a little yeah. grace with me I'm for a moment. I'm going to get phone calls of, <clears throat> yeah. tell that woman how dare she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally got it wrong. <clears throat> but essentially it's kind of, a, it's an almost ancient, just an old personality test that's been around for a long, long time and why it's trendy right now, I don't know. But anyways, it's back. And so it's this little diagram that has nine different numbers that are all connected in some way, essentially. And so every person ever is like one of those nine numbers, but it's not as simple as that. Like within each number, you there are unhealthy levels and then it ranges up to average and healthy. And so, you know, the variety of each person um, can absolutely still be represented in what seems like such a simple test. And so every person is a number. So I'm a three and I'll walk you through like what one through nine are just for fun. Um, But then you will have a wing number. So either like a two or a four is kind of like your sub personality. Okay. Okay. So the one is the reformer or the perfectionist, which is Mitch. My well, I, I have to, I have to interrupt here. Yeah. You obviously really like it because you have the nine memorized. That's true. You're about to walk me through all nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't realize how much I loved it. Wait, okay, I'm passionate so, about it. Okay. So back to what you're saying. Yeah. Number one is the reformer and your husband, Mitch. That's him. He's a one. Okay. What yep. does that mean? So he is a perfectionist. And he is kind of an activist and a reformer. So a lot of times cops, he's a cop, you know, they are a lot of times ones. So perfectionist, kind of the activist, that's them. Two is the helper, which is my, my mom is a helper. <clears throat> and that's my sub personality type. Three is the achiever or the performer. 
um, which is my main one. And so my what's cool about the Enneagram is it identifies your motive. It's not really a feel-good personality test. <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. But it identifies the motive behind it. So for like a three myself, my motive is to to feel like I'm accomplishing things, essentially. Um, a four, goodness, what is the four? They, <clears throat> I honestly kind of forgot for a second. I'll have to come back to that. I know that the fives are analytical. <laughs> we don't care about yeah, fours. Yeah, the four is, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All the fours listening feel disenfranchised. Yes, feel like, wow. No, I do appreciate yeah. you fours. You're <laughs> you're so important that I just can't put it yeah, into words. We, we really value you, even though we don't know anything about <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. So. I'm obviously not a four. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, let's see, the six is um, more of the emotional and they have more anxiety. Sevens are your enthusiasts that are really outgoing. Um, eights are the challenger. Um, so they're really like assertive and kind of in your face in some ways. And then the nines are the, um, oh goodness, Mitch is a wing nine, but um, they have a lot of great qualities too. Also nines, we still love you. <laughs> Fours and nines. Fours, Fours and, and nines, nines are our favorites. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Look my it my wife, she's told me she's I think number two, a helper. I can totally see that because she was telling me how because I'm I'm very independent, and so yeah. she'll say something like, "Hey, can I make you something to eat?" And I'll say, "No, I'm good," because I just think you know if I want to yeah. eat something, I'll just I'll just go get something, yeah. right? And it it would like create this weird tension where she'd be like, "Why don't you? Why won't you let me make you something?" That's funny. And I'd be like, "Excuse me, but there's plenty of wives <laughs> who would love." Their husband not making them. Right. You know, I was like, what is this? thanking me. I was like, what is this all about? And so she did the Enneagram. She was like, oh my gosh, it's because I really love to help. I love to be a helper. And, you know, when I offer, it's a legitimate offer. And I really love doing that. Um, But man, this this personality test has really caught on fire, it feels like. It's super trendy. But Mm. I I love it because, you know, a lot of them can be... I love personality tests. I don't know if that's a three thing, but I love to have insight about myself. And I kind of love when someone reads my mail in that way because it lets you see, wow, these things that I struggle with or these motives that I have, um, it just it's the way that I'm wired. And instead of seeing it as like just me being my weird self, it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see that it's it kind of normalizes it in a way and helps connect you to other people, especially if they are familiar with their personality type to say, hey, we're the same in this way. And it kind of brings people closer together. Mm -hmm. So it's a great tool in marriage or even in just small group settings. Mm -hmm. And it it feels like too, you know, I love your expression of it's just how you're wired. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how many times people, especially like, like conflict with people, whether it's like a spouse or whether it's like, especially like within an office, how little it has to do with like that person just being an awful person. But just it's just because they're wired that way, right? And so right. I think about like, um, and I don't know anything about Enneagram, but I, I for example, like uh, the challenger versus, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, the helper. I, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know. That dynamic, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Which is what's really cool. And and I think sometimes <laughs> we don't realize that those, that wiring is what's at, at what is at, is actually at play. And instead right. what we go to is, well, they're just a jerk. Right. And they're not really a jerk. Right. They're just, they're just acting out of whatever they're, yeah. you know, it's also really funny too, is I remember I would do like these corporate training events with my last company and you'd have like a team that was like totally disengaged. But as soon as you started talking about personality, it's like <laughs> everyone would just light up. It's like, oh, I want to really know. Yeah. I love what you said. You know, I want someone to read my mail and yes. tell me. You know, it's just interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's it's fun to geek out on. So I would encourage you to look into it too. Okay. And obviously <laughs> I'm not a pro, but I'm I'm in it mm. deep enough where I'm like, okay, I've kind of got a feel for this. 
obviously I don't know any 409s. So again, apologize for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's great, especially in your family, just to identify, you know, hmm. what they are and how you can connect to them better and relate hmm. to them better. I'm speaking at this event coming up this Friday, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, you, the, the guests can go to one of a couple of different sessions and there's, so there's my session, and then the other one at my same time slot is the Enneagram. What? And so I was like, okay, so no one's going to come to mind, basically. <laughs> Unfortunately, that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I saw that, and I was like, dang it. I was like, okay, whatever. The really committed people will come. I'll be curious but. what type will, um, if they don't go to the Enneagram, what their Enneagram type is, you know? Maybe they like to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> dysfunctional people. Yes. I'll get all the dysfunctional people. Okay. Okay, cool. So when did you when did you figure out your Enneagram type? Um, you know, it was probably a couple of years ago. Someone random brought it up to me, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll take the test just for fun." Um, and it was super eye opening. Even at that point, I remember printing off the results because I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to want to reference this like every day and just kind of because it also explains um, how you can better you know your personality type, which a lot of those tests probably do. But it just blew me away how accurate it was. Um, but then it just it kind of got lost in the nightstand, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it, it resurfaced probably within the last few months, even of just so we we had our first baby in June of um, last year, 2018. Congratulations! And thank you. Yeah. And that's a very um, that's a big life transition, and I think. I don't know why for me, I, I almost mentally didn't transition till what feels like maybe a few months ago of realizing, wait, this is kind of an adjustment and this is hard. And especially for my, my, I'm so used to getting things done and feeling like I'm being productive. And that's something that I treasure very much. Um, throwing a baby into the mix that you really want to take good care of. It changes that. It changes how much you can get done. It changes how productive you feel and it kind of, it changes your priorities. And so that's been a huge adjustment for me especially juggling a small business. Um, even though it's on the side, it really is kind of my full-time gig because you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about it. We don't clock out at, clock in at eight and clock out at five. And so finding those boundaries is something that's very much so on my heart, you know, since having her of how do you run a business well and be there for your clients without that eating into like family time. Like when I'm home, I really want to be home. But when I'm home, there's there are pantries to be planned out and, and product to be ordered. And so that's that's something we could definitely talk more about. It's just navigating that balance. So how do you how do you do that? Like how do you <laughs> <laughs> one day at a time, as my husband always encourages me. I mean, every week, as you know, it just looks different. There are some some weeks that are really busy where it feels like it's just work, work, work every day, and then other weeks there's a little bit more of a break. And so it's just kind of navigating that workload. For me, it's important to prioritize and realize like what really has to be done, um, whether that's in my personal life or in my professional life, is being able to kind of sit down for a second and gather my thoughts on paper and prioritize and then just kind of navigate it from there, making sure I'm not dropping any balls, but not like never stopping working or a baby. If yeah. I drop her, that's not good. Yeah. That's frowned upon. So It is frowned upon. Yes. <laughs> Depends on your Enneagram type. Though. That's true. Threes don't like to drop babies. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, and so I, I'm just I'm just kind of thinking this out loud as I'm listening to you. You know, you're obviously you're you're navigating this dynamic of I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, I'm trying to grow my business, right, right, right. Um, yeah. and I have a baby and a husband <laughs> and a, and a yes. husband, right? Yeah, yeah, he's great too. Yeah, yeah. I'm all, I mean, I'm, yeah, definitely that he can't just go by the wayside. You know, have you have that relationship to manage as well? Yeah. 
And so you have all of these things to have to navigate and like prioritize. It feels like one of the biggest struggles for business owners is an inability to really prioritize well. Yeah. And here's what I mean by that. It's like the business owner who they're not making any sales. And so rather than like going out and selling, they spend like two months on the website. Mm. And it's it's like none of these things are like ridiculous. Like it's, sure. it's grounded in good thinking. Like, right. well, yeah, people are going to go to my website. But it's it's prioritizing time totally ineffectually. Right. Right. Because instead of like right. working so much time on that website, you could have been out meeting people, networking, what have you. So yeah. how did you how did you figure out how to do that well, how to make the right decisions? Yeah, I I would say um time is money for entrepreneurs. And so looking at your days almost in a time block and realizing um if you spend it well, you actually can kind of balance everything. Um, and so figuring out, I, like I personally have to set goals. If I don't set goals, I just kind of float through life. And then I wake up one day and I'm like, oh crap, I don't have any work in a couple weeks, you mm-hmm. know? And so setting goals and realizing, okay, I need to have three focused hours a day on on work. If it's, you know, I personally, I book jobs um, three days a week. And so those are my three days that I know I have childcare taken care of. And I mentally am going to be working that day. So even if there's not a job booked, I know that I can go to the coffee shop and get work done. So kind of blocking your time and making sure you're protecting your family time and Mm. you know what those days and hours are and then knowing what those days and hours are for your work. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So for me, I I just have to know what I'm aiming for and and make sure that I'm protecting both of those things. And because if I'm at home and, you know, my sweet husband and baby are in the other room and I'm trying to get work done, I'm not... I'm not being as productive as I could if I were in a more focused environment where mm-hmm. I'm not feeling like I'm neglecting one or the other. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's making sure I'm I'm kind of honoring those time blocks. And I get the most work done at a coffee shop, to be honest. You know, if I'm doing admin work or planning, um, it has to be in a place where I can be fully, fully there. So mm-hmm. that's really important to me individually. Mm-hmm. So walk me through like, let's say once you have a customer, yeah. what just for the people who are just really curious, yeah. let's, let's say maybe the average listener who's seen an episode of tidying up and they're just fascinated. <laughs> yes. And and also I in to your credit I I would say similar to your revelation a couple of years ago. I remember when you guys were starting thinking and I remember thinking like that can't be a real thing. That's not a that's <laughs> not, not a real thing. Yeah. And but but I'm also learning like it's yeah. amazing how many niche markets there are like people who actually sure. pay for, you know, certain things. So for the average listener who um you know, they've maybe seen an episode of, of Marie Kondo stuff or they've, they're a little bit aware of of the kind of work you're doing. Right. Walk me through, who, I mean, who who's this perfect for? I mean, who who's the person who needs yeah. your help? My, I would say 90% of my clients are working moms or just moms in general that are just in that busy, busy season um, where their kids are priority and their home tends to fall by the wayside. And I think a lot of people don't realize or they they're starting to realize wow, this clutter, it weighs me down. Mm -hmm. And it's hard on my relationships. It just makes me feel like everything's caving in. And so my vision and my my purpose behind it is just helping those mamas, because that's who most of my clients tend to be, are just getting to enjoy their home again. Mm -hmm. So the main spaces that I like to work on, and I'll kind of walk you through like a project day also, but they tend to be kind of the hot spots of the kitchen, pantry, because that's where the family is just always at. We're always going into the pantry and the fridge and the kitchen. 
Um, and a lot of stuff can accumulate there too. And then a lot of women um, like to have their closets done, even the kids' closets where everything just has a place. So on a project day, my my method is definitely different than Marie Kondo's where she would address like all of the clothes at one time and just focus on the clothing. And I guess this is the achiever in me that wants to feel accomplished at the end of the day. Um, but we pick a space. And so we book that space for that day. And we know, hey, at the end of this day, your master closet's going to be like completely reset and be awesome. Or at least be, you know, really, really close to that. I might Sometimes I have to come back and add a few more bins, you know. But um, so on, on an average project day, I walk in in the first 30 minutes to an hour or so. I just kind of get familiar with everything that's there. So I'll usually start in kind of the floor space. Anything that's just straight up clutter, go ahead and pull that stuff out and start sorting it. Um, So I sort everything for the clients for them. I leave all the hanging clothes up because I personally find it overwhelming if you pull all those out onto the bed. So if I'm going to get overwhelmed, my client's going to get overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. I... And and I apologize, by the way. I'm sure it's a little obnoxious to like keep referring to Marie Kondo. (laughs) Because I know you're your own business it's person. Fair. No. But I just, I just know a lot of people, that's their data yes. point. That's what they... That's what they think of. Yeah. And so that's... Yeah. And absolutely, as I'm listening to you, I just don't want you to feel like, you no, know, no, I hope I'm not being rude and... and you're the worst. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> She's no. walking out right now. Yeah. No, bye. Okay. No, it's it's great because it's it's good to be reminded of what people think of when they think of someone that helps them declutter and organize. Mm. And that's... She's very much so um, known in mm. our culture right now. So you So you don't take the clothes out. Right. Instead, you... I basically address everything else because we know that the clothes are going to stay on the rack. And so mm. I'm basically going to hit the reset button on everything else. So mm. I sort everything for them and I say, hey, okay, I'm ready for you. And we come in or they come in and we just pick a pile and I help coach them through each pile. We just kind of work left to right around the room. Mm. And as they go through that pile, we make a donate pile, a sell pile and a trash pile. So you know, people are capable of doing this on their own, but a lot of people may get to that point if they even make it that far and just feel stuck. Uh And so what really is great for me is I get to coach them through that and help them have a finished product at the end of the the day. Do you you ever have people who like just want to keep everything? Like like my wife, Joy, will go through things and she'll say, okay, what do you (laughs) want to do with this? Like random bumper sticker that you got when you were a teacher, you know, a decade ago. I'm like, oh, I want to keep that. Definitely need and it. And it's like, okay, here's a pin that says Lee High School, which is where you worked. Will you want to do it? Well, we got to keep that too. Yeah. And so yeah. everything, everything is keep for me. Sure. <laughs> everything. It's just the same way. Okay. <laughs> Especially with like all of his football memorabilia. I mean, sure. there's just no way we're getting rid of that stuff. So yeah. I've had to just come to terms with it. But anytime that something <laughs> goes missing, he's like, did you donate that? Oh my gosh. Like, yes, I did. But, um, you know, and it, I kind of tailor it to to each client because everyone's end goal is different. There are some people that want it to look like a magazine whenever I'm done. And that's great. And that's super fun. And then there are some people that just want to feel like they can breathe Mm. again. Like that's their end result. Cause if they're at the point of hiring me, most people are ready to let go of stuff. Mm. They've already kind of made it through that process of realizing this is too much. It's weighing me down. I could use some help. And so most of my work is already done mentally and emotionally for them. It's really just coaching them through to the end result and just making that happen and having an objective perspective on things. Whenever I pick up any item in their home, I have zero emotional attachment to it. So I'm (laughs) able to say, hey, do you use this? Hey, do you want this? Do you need this? 
um, and what's your reasoning behind? If they hesitate, I'm like, okay, let's walk through like your reasoning of why uh-huh. you're keeping it. So, Do you ever, are there ever tears? Like, there's been a couple of times. Okay, but like, the only, this is my, the only yeah, reason because okay. this this sweet sweet lady, her husband had passed away a few years before, oh, and wow. so everything had just such a sweet and tender attachment to to him as a person in their life together. And so that was honestly a really that was a really sweet sweet so time. How did you navigate that one? sitting there with her and as she cried and wow. just being there for her almost like a friend. And it was, that was what was so sweet about it is we had only met, this was our second time together mm-hmm. and we got to have such a sweet and tender moment. And mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the typical experience, but it was a very special thing to realize like, Oh my goodness, this, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And she was making a huge step. Um, she was ready, but, but see, that's, I think that's what is really exciting talking to you is it's very obvious that, you have a um, depth of empathy for your mm. clients in that you're willing to help them navigate those sometimes yeah. really raw emotions. Yeah. And, and it's, it's obvious that, you know, it's just, it's just not another sale to you. It's, it's totally, and maybe we could park there for a second because yeah. I'm even just thinking about the name of your business, mm. restore the home and everything you said about like some of your customers who are just like, I just want my home to feel yeah. it again. Yeah. I've, I've heard my wife, Joy, and this is so funny. We have such different perspectives because she'll be like, I just want our living room to be, <laughs> just to be peaceful. And yes. I'll look around and be like, it looks great. <laughs> and she's like, we do not see the same, yes. <laughs> the yeah. same room. I'm like, what, what is so we wrong? We need to talk about our vision for this space, <laughs> But so, but so I can totally empathize through her where she you know, and we all we also both work out of our home, right? And so I think for, for her especially, it's important for it to feel safe and yeah. um, uh, I don't know the word, even um, just comfortable or yeah, at peace. At peace. Yeah. If you're trying to to do work from home and everything's a mess, you're not at peace, right? <laughs> I know that personally. We have a baby, keep in mind, <laughs> so it's not perfect. And that's another thing uh, we could talk about too. Is just I. I am not expecting anything to be perfect. And I think some people may think, oh, you know, an organizer is going to come in and want it to, you know, have me convinced that it's going to look perfect all the time. And that's just not the case. That's something I really, um, a lot of moms especially have this guilt of like, man, it's not going to stay this way. It's going to be a mess, but it's great to coach them through. Hey, you're in a season of life where kids live here. So it's, you know, the main living spaces are going to look like people live here and that's okay. Hmm. So even my own home, my kitchen, my pantry, and my closet are like my happy places that that stay together and the systems are in place and I enjoy keeping those up. But man, my living room, there's toys everywhere. Mm-hmm. The pillows aren't perfect. You know, it's just enough to where there's life going on and I I I really try and coach people through like let's be realistic about how things are gonna look. We know we can make it better and have systems in place for like those areas behind closed doors. Um but in your main living spaces, I really encourage them to give themselves some grace too. It's just not going to be perfect, but we mm-hmm. can we can simplify it and we can make it better and put systems in place where they would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's let's put some words on it in the sense of like when when a, a job is done, mm-hmm. the home will feel more blank. Like what 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 yeah. are those things that I would just say? I would even say peaceful because mm. um, there's like the high level yeah there's like a surface like I mean it's or you paid me to organize it right. or, it is organized right but again I just I just I just see this trend that's so below the surface of you know and it kind of goes to that old cliche of like home is where the heart is yeah and that cliche is founded like in this 
you have these illustrations of like, um, like you just said peaceful and there's like security there and there's comfort. It's it's, yeah. Comfort and it's regenerative. And you know, so yeah. How do you view your work? I guess. Yeah. I mean, giving people a, like helping them enjoy their home again, helping them feel like when they're home, they are getting recharged instead of being weighed down. So, I mean, it should be a place where you come home and you feel welcomed and you feel um, like you can relax and you just can't relax whenever there's, whenever there's clutter. So getting to help people get it to that point is huge. And even after our sessions are done at the end of project days, you can just see in like my client's eyes that they're like, wow, I feel a weight lifted because they know how much stuff they let go of Mm -hmm. and they could have done that on their own. It's just doing it Mm -hmm. and having someone help you through that. And so seeing that weight being lifted off of them, man, that that's what keeps me going too. Mm. Cause you can, you can just see it in their eyes Mm. and some will tell me, which is even better. Cause I love, (laughs) I love that. So yeah. yeah. Well, so where do you see this going long-term? Like what's, what's the vision for restore the home? You know, cause it's, it started out, as something I did on the side. So during that time of transition where we were kind of starting fresh on our jobs, we didn't really have anything planned. This was more of a side thing. Mm -hmm. And I had other jobs that would, you know, be income that we could count on. But um, I I made it full-time after we had Ellie. So it's officially full-time and I would like to keep it at that. But I look at it more of like how many many days a week I'm able to, or I plan on committing to it. And I think I want to keep that at two to three because that's kind of, where I can still find balance with my with my family because that's still my number one priority. But I would like to see it it growing in, in consistency because, you know, I mean, as an entrepreneur, every it's different week to week. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be a week where I have hardly any, um, I may, might be meeting with new people, but there's not really real income or projects happening during mm-hmm. that week. And then the next week might make up for the whole month's goal. You just never really know. So I think I would I would long for just consistency in that, but also still keeping it um, to just those few days a week where everything else is still protected. So growth, yet a growth that still allows me to be the wife and mama that I am number one. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I have a dog and <laughs> <laughs> I want Sadie to have a good life as a dog. <laughs> but what you, what you talk about, and maybe this is a good segue, you know, you mentioned how you want to have you want to have two or three days out of the week that you're really like hunkered down mm-hmm. working on the business. Mm-hmm. But then like other days of the week, you're really investing your time back into your family. Right. It feels like I talk to a lot of business owners or even not even business owners, but just employees who are in like the eight to five or the nine to four or what have you. Yeah. And when you talk about, and they kind of bemoan, I want different circumstances for my life. Like I want more time with my family. I want more, they want circumstances to change right. and yet it, it doesn't change. And so it's kind of always this very distant. I just would always love that to ever happen. Sure. It sounds like you've you've kind of created the pacing that you really want for your life. Yeah. How did you do that? I mean, I mean it just. I think again, just identifying what my what my goals were and what my boundaries were and how I could protect that. And all, honestly, a huge part of that, something just very practical, was childcare and knowing, like, okay. Right now, it's just Mitch and my mom, which is amazing. And so I'm like, okay, I think three days a week is fair without having to pay them, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I can do three solid days um, where I'm able to go and be effective and get projects done um, without overstepping those boundaries even personally. And mm-hmm. so for me, Ellie, like if I didn't have, if we didn't have Ellie, I would probably be working those five days a week mm-hmm. and not have any boundaries. So I think having a baby 
really helped me kind of set my schedule because I could truly only do so much. Mm-hmm. So I'm th- I'm thankful for that because um, I'm a yes person and I don't naturally have those types of boundaries. And so thank you, Lord, for giving me a sweet baby that makes me want to like make sure <laughs> I'm protecting that, you know? Yeah. I think that's actually, that's it after processing that, mm. having a kid that just forces you to have those boundaries. Mm. Well, it's, well, I, and I love your perspective because not everyone would have that perspective. I sure. mean, uh, I've talked to plenty of people in their 50s and 60s who their big regret is, I spent all of my time on work and no yeah. time with my kids. There were, no, there were no boundaries there. Right. And it's understandable. I mean, at the time, they're thinking, how do I provide? Got to pay the bills. Right. There's some weeks that I'm like, sorry, mom, <laughs> taking on a few extra projects, yeah. you know? So in the, in the couple of years you've been in business, yeah. or I guess you start in 2016? 2016 was so, when it kind of started. So yeah. a few years then. Do you remember your lowest point? <laughs> how? Financially? or Just, just, just <laughs> related to the bit? I mean... You uh, related to the business. I mean, was mm. there a, a day you like for for Joy and I? There was a day where I had literally negative three hundred dollars in my bank account, Ooh. and I just remember just staring at it, yeah. and being like, uh, <laughs> "I'm, I don't know what to do." Yeah, and just being, I just felt stuck. Yeah, and Joy had like twelve dollars in her account, right? And well, we so, definitely have had those moments. And so that would that probably be my lowest point. I mean, I was at the I was at yeah. the bottom of belief in myself. I mean. And I ask, I ask only yeah. because I think people who are no, listening, who are also entrepreneurs, because a lot of times all you hear about are these really like sexy success stories. Yeah, that's just not real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so I ask it to create some tangibility for the listeners yeah. on, you know, it really is a journey that takes a lot of work. And so. I think that actually came later for me because the first couple of years, it was more of a side hustle. So financially, I wasn't dependent upon it, um, which was great that I, I had I didn't have to have that mindset, but the last, you know, year and a half, um, I feel like I've had more of that, that pressure with myself of realizing, okay, this is like, this is my gig and I've got to work it. And so there's been more of those moments lately where I think, which, so Mitch, my sweet husband is a cop and then I do this, you know, three days a week. And so financially we definitely have to have a budget and you know, be responsible with that. So there, I have definitely had those moments where I'm like, okay, my business account is, uh, it's empty and we're just going to trust the Lord that things are going to work out. And we just kind of take it a couple weeks at a time. And some of those seasons, you know, and that's happened a handful of times because it just, it ebbs and flows, you mm-hmm. know, but it, it's, it's just so funny when I have those moments, this has happened many times where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do next? And then I'll get a phone call or a text or a client application online. And I just have those kind of little nods of like, okay, this, you're doing the right thing. Stick to it. Cause someone new just came your way. And so mm-hmm. I even had that, had that last week. I was just at a point of like, man, I really want to grow things. And what if I never have a client again, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I had just had a, a phone call come in. I was at Bible study, so I didn't answer it, but I called him back after and it was just someone that randomly got connected and, and wanted to book. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- those moments definitely come. Um, and a lot of times they're related to finances, but that's, it's a really good reset button in those moments for the entrepreneur because you're like, okay, this means that I have to do some groundwork to make sure that money's coming in. You know, sometimes we can ride the wave of jobs or clients or purchase orders that we already have set. And then you've got to keep moving because whenever that wears off in a month or so, you've got to have the next thing lined up. So it's good for me, um, because it keeps me pouring back into my business and not just riding the wave. Mm-hmm. 
It's, it sounds like running a business is a lot of work. It is. And I didn't know that when I started it. I was like, I'm just going to organize and make some money on the side. And there's a lot of admin work. There's a lot of, um, you've got to be putting content out there that speaks to people. And that's mm-hmm. something I'm still even working on is I want to tug at their heartstrings and help them see, I really want to help you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just right over here ready for the next person that's like, transform my home, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just getting the word out there to people that you are, you're the real deal, that you're authentic and that you want to give them that end result that they, that they desire. And whatever your business or product is, um, showing them just your, your human side. And Mm. that's something that on social media is really, it can be hard to come by. And that's something that I work, want to work on more because in person, I'm a goof. Like I'm just, (laughs) I'm silly and I'm probably going to laugh and giggle at a lot of stupid stuff, but we're going to have a good time and we're going to get work done. And I want to make sure that I'm portraying that to people too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's, it's, it's just so funny how social media, it, there's so much that people try to portray. Yeah. But what I found is when you do just go to your roots of, I am just a human, I'm just a normal person. And, um, a friend of mine, I love what she said last week, she was on the show and she said, if you don't like it, you can change the channel. And that's just, <laughs> it just is what it is. Right. And so I, I think that's awesome. Well, and, and you know, we, we have a social media culture that's built on likes. Yeah. And so I want, we intrinsically want those likes to come, but right. to be able to, you know, push your feet in the ground and say, this is who I am and I'm not for everyone. I think that's yeah. really admirable. Right. Yeah. And so, or even uh, realizing that like, even if I don't have a lot of likes, I just want the likes that I do have to be authentic ones. Sure. So, I mean, I don't have a million followers by any means, but I love that the followers that I have stick around and really engage, mm-hmm. even in, in just in direct messages or whatever that may look like. You know, I'd rather that be more authentic. And sure, there are parts of me that are, you know, it's it's easy to compare. And that's something that I... I don't follow other organizers on Instagram from Northwest Arkansas and that's kind of protecting myself. And I would, I honestly would kind of recommend that for people. If you have quote unquote competition, which I never want to look at that way because we're all just helping the same people. Um, But maybe even protect yourself in that way of not even looking at those other things because you want to make sure that you're not, um, I don't know, that your heart's staying healthy on where where you look at yourself in, in relation to other people doing the same thing. Now I follow other organizers all across the U S because that inspires me and I see their work and go, Oh yeah, I could do that. I can mm-hmm. make space look like that, mm-hmm. but I have to kind of protect my heart in that way to make sure I'm just focused on me and what I'm doing and that I'm just being my best self because at the end of the day, that's all that I can control. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're protecting yourself from the dangers of comparison. 100%. And it's, it's not even just, it's not even just with competition. Yeah. It's, I feel like we, we're constantly, I, I just always love to tell the story of when Joy and I were first married, we, I mean, we were just some big fight. I can't remember what it was, but she's in tears and <laughs> she says something like, um, everyone else's marriage on Facebook is just beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to live stream their fight. Right. You know, it's not going to be like, Hey guys, we want to make sure no, you I caught this. That. You know, although we did see a guy who had a hidden camera to expose his like crazy wife. That's um, and so now we always quote it, but because <laughs> his, his wife was like kicking and like doing all this crazy stuff and all this to say it's, it's that temptation for comparison is really, it's really incredible in the sense of it's so tangible to us. Right. And I think about, you know, especially when you're in the weeds of trying to make your business yep. even just profitable, right. You know, to see the competitor who says, you know, Oh, another $10,000 sale. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> Geez, I charge like nothing. Like right. what? You know, right. and so 
Yeah. I, I totally can relate to you. And I think it's a really wise point that you make of just yeah. really guarding your heart from those detractors and demotivators. Absolutely. Absolutely. And realizing that um, everyone's end goal looks differently. So even financially, this is something I've done within the last within the last year, but just realizing, okay, this is what I would like to make like worst case every month and then breaking that down um, to a weekly basis. And so having something to aim at and realizing that my end goal may look completely different than someone else's, but I know what I'm what I'm aiming for. That way, you know, if you know, someone else may charge a lot more than I do and, and bring in more, but that's cool, you know. That's that's their thing. So for me, it's really important and this is something I've kind of grown into is knowing my worth, even with pricing. I mean, when I first started out and sent out those first few texts, I was like, hey, for 10 bucks an hour, I'll mm-hmm. come, yeah. you know, help you clean out a room. Yeah. And so it's just kind of inched up over time as I look around and see what what other organizers in the U.S. charge. And, and looking at it in a different perspective, it's been hard for me to look at it as a transactional thing. Like you mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, I just want to help people. But then again, knowing my worth and my time and where... Um, what my family needs financially. And so that'll look different for each entrepreneur, but have a goal that you're you're working towards that would be good for you mm-hmm. and for your season of life. And be, you know, aim for that. And that way you can celebrate no matter what everyone else is making, know what you're aiming for, you know? I think that's a powerful insight in the sense of like, and just that statement, know your worth. Yeah. Where, and maybe it's because like we know our own junk and we like know like, you know, I'm just a human, yeah, I'm just a human, you know, dysfunctional person. But even on the point you mentioned of pricing, it's like, well, I mean, who would pay me for, who would pay me that much money? And I think to get over that limiting belief and understand that what I offer is really valuable. And the other really great point that you mentioned too, is like the sustainability of the business. It's like, I could, I could do someone a favor and not make very much money from it, but also long-term, I could be a lot more uh, impactful right. if I actually charge what I'm worth. Absolutely. And that keeps you keeps you motivated. If I were still charging 10 bucks an hour, I don't think I would be doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it makes it worth my time. And it's also, um, you have to look at it from a client's perspective too. You know, if you're, if you're dirt cheap, sometimes that means that you don't know your worth. And sometimes that means that you don't do a good job. And so I, you know, I'm always, this is something I would encourage y'all to do too, is always be growing. That's, I think that's what the key to, to my miniature success story where it is right now is just that I'm, I haven't ever been completely satisfied with where I'm at. And so I'm always wanting to get better. And that even helps me financially to, to inch up my prices over the years to know, no, like this is what it's worth to me and you're going to get what you pay for, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing whenever you kind of break it down too, it's really, you know, not that expensive. It's just kind of how you look at it, you know, Mm -hmm. and starting out to me, I was at a place where 10 bucks an hour, that'd be a lot if I was paying someone, you know, Mm -hmm. I was a poor, like out of college kid. Mm -hmm. But, um, but no, you're, you're worth so much more than that. And so you've got to find that healthy balance of what that looks like where you're not scaring people away, but you're not ripping yourself off either. Well, and not everyone can be your customer. It it, it has to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, the broke college student isn't calling me for advice. <laughs> exactly. And that has, I have to be okay with that. Right. Yeah. Because if I'm going to make a, a big enough difference and a big enough impact, I have to be really mindful of that. That hits a huge point in my heart of you can't be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, man, that has been huge for me because I would love to be everything to everyone, but I'm really passionate about certain spaces in the home that I feel very comfortable working in, you know, um, and that's just, that's my thing and that's okay. So 
you know, at the very start, especially whenever you're just taking off, you almost kind of have to be that to where you're like, I'll take on anything. (laughs) But now, you know, being able to say like, nope, I just, these are where I specialize and this is really what I do. Um, that's a special place to be mm-hmm. and an exciting place to be where you're like, whoo, I'm not having to do attics anymore or, you know, basements mm-hmm. that are really musty. It's like, nope, I can turn that away yeah. because I'm doing <laughs> other things that I enjoy. So I don't have to be scared going to work anymore. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you can't be everything to everyone. And it's funny you say that because I actually, I, I was thinking about the Bible verse that says, be all things to all people. Because I, I had the mm-hmm. exact same thought you had. I've been thinking about this over the weekend because I had a friend of mine who tried to hire me and I really want to help him. But I also, he was like, I can't pay you really anything. Yeah. And I, so I had this kind of like moment of, well, I, I want to help. Right. That's why I do what I do. Right. But also like exactly what you said, like your prices in, in a lot of cases dictate your value. Right. Right. I mean, you go to the grocery store, you typically don't buy the most expensive. You don't typically buy the cheapest, but you buy something in the middle. Right. And so. Yeah. I had kind of this moment of like, well, I just can't be all things to all people. And then I thought that Bible verse, so I'm having like this, I'm having like this, um, what's the word? Like this uh, (laughs) existential crisis where I'm like, well, geez, like what? And so hearing you say that, I'm like, okay, that's confirmation, I guess, because I I really can't be, it's just hard. Yeah. And it's hard, especially whenever you look at your business almost as a ministry opportunity where you're, when your heart's in it, that makes those those decisions and those opportunities much more difficult because you're like, man, I really do want to help you. And there have been those times where I'll, you know, go over for an evening and help a girlfriend or a single mom that there's one I've been working with these last few weeks, you know, do what you can. But then also, again, knowing what your boundaries are and making sure that that's not eating into either profitable time or family time. So if Mm -hmm. you have the time to give that up and your heart's in it and you feel led to do that, absolutely. You know, that can be something really special to bless people that, that could use it, but you know, aren't really a, and a real client in a way. Um, but then again, as long as you're doing that without eating into the other things that, that keep things going. Mm-hmm. I like how you even labeled that. Cause you mentioned just towards the start of the podcast, it being really intentional with like boundaries in your time. But right. the thing you just kind of mentioned offhand of, is this, is this profit time or is this family time? And it, it's almost like if decision-making can get filtered through. Yeah. Cause otherwise if you never, I guess, apply it to those filters, I guess you realize Wow, I've been spending all this time and it wasn't, it wasn't either. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't family time and it wasn't anything that brought me any kind of money. And I totally had those moments too. I look back and I'm like, man, why do I feel exhausted? Or what, what is this feeling that I'm having? And it's usually when I haven't stewarded my time well. Hmm. Um, And even if I've been going and doing a lot, that's something that even just throughout my whole life, I'm a very busy person, but I still want, you know, you can be busy and not be fulfilled. And so, being busy with the things that you know you've decided beforehand are fulfilling and that you want to pour into, that can make you, you know, you can work less hours during the week and have more fulfillment than working 60 hours a week. So what does that look like for you? You know, it's different for everyone. But for me, that means I have to have healthy boundaries and intentional time. And that's, it's a struggle, but it's something that um, I feel like will always kind of be my personal um, little battle that I'm working through of like, okay, are you are you stewarding things well? Are you just busy for the sake of busyness? Are you really, you know, doing what you need to do to build your business? Are you working on your website? You know, it's good to kind of set goals every once in a while. Um, you know, maybe you're going through a season where you're wanting to work on your branding. Um, and I did that with a girl a year or so ago, and just and she helped me work through my vision for my business, and then set like top three top goals. Um, and it, it's good just to kind of know what you're aiming at. You mm. know, whether that's 
being on Instagram stories more or starting a blog that also pairs up with your website or just mm. gaining new clients. What does the footwork look like for that? And making sure that if you have extra time laying around within those business hours that you're actually working on the things you need to be working on. Like you said earlier, someone may be needing new clients, but they're over there killing time on their website. That's really not going to drive that in. So they feel busy, but mm -hmm. it's not, it's not what needs to be taking place. Yeah. It's actually not, I love, yes, I love everything you just said. It's, it's, it's really not that hard to be busy, right? right? We can always find things to work on. Right. But it's like, um, you know, a business owner who like every sale he's ever made has been from someone in person. Well, you don't need to spend two months on your website. Totally. Because all your sales have come through in-person traffic, so to speak. Right. What I really appreciate about what you've said too is how it feels like every, and it's almost kind of obnoxious where I hear people say like, oh, I'm just so busy or I'm just too, <laughs> I know. I'm just too busy for that. And I'm right. like, I'm like, well, we're all busy. We all have the same, we all have the same amount of time. What's keeping you busy? Exactly. Yeah. And I like what you said about being a good steward because that word steward implies like this level of responsibility and like attention and, and mm -hmm. like diligence to being mindful on how am I spending my time? Because I guess if you don't have that, then you really do just. You just kind of coast through life. Yeah. And I even had that after, after having Ellie, it's like. You just kind of coast by and you look up one day and you're like, okay, like we're at a point now where she's, so she's 13 months old. We're switching over from like managing her and making sure she stays alive to like actually <laughs> having to parent. Okay. And so it's like that, that was a big transition. So we kind of coasted through like, oh yeah, we're really good at keeping her alive. But now we're like, okay, we have to start like saying no and making sure she's not sticking her finger in the electrical socket. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to not just coast, but really be intentional with what season you're in in your business. And you may be wanting to start something up or be into it and just feeling like you've just been coasting. Um, but it's good to hit that reset button every once in a while. And sometimes those lows, like you mentioned earlier, those are really good times to hit the reset button to kind of bring things back in, realize where you're at, what got you there, whether negative or positive, and then know what you're aiming at. I even told Mitch uh, last night at dinner, I said, okay, so where do we want to see ourselves in a year? Which is such a cheesy question to ask like a macho cop. He's like, <clears throat> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but it's good even in your in your relationships just to kind of say, where are we? What got us here? And where do we want to be? And then being intentional about what are you going to do to get there? You know? Mm -hmm. And then actually holding Doing yourself. It. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing is, I think that's probably why that's such a cheesy question sometimes is because right. we ask it all the time, but then we don't ever... It's like the New Year's resolution. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's your resolution? It's like, oh, I don't know. Lose because, weight. Yeah, right? And then we don't actually do anything about it. And so I, I, I think it's... But on the flip side, if you can really master that and be a good steward of your decisions, it can be really powerful. Yeah. Right? In terms yeah. of your outcomes and where your business goes. Or, right. Well, and looking at people, it's also good to have people not that you idolize, but that you look up to. Um, and that's also helped me is just identifying other women around the U.S. that are doing this and doing it, doing it well. Um, and then even reaching out to them and just, you know, asking them real life questions of how do you, how do you do what you do? But having someone that you look up to and seeing, wow, they have a lot of discipline. They're on social media, but not, not so much where it's literally saying nothing, but when they're on, they're on. And so, um, that's something that's been helpful for me too, is having someone to kind of look up to. And then even people locally and personally that, that hold me accountable to those things. So I just have a couple of close people that know, my business goals and they'll text me every once in a while and kind of check in on that. And it feels like social media especially is really hard to stay diligent with yeah. and like actually be a good steward with. 
And, you know, you'll see people, and I do this myself, where you'll get in like spurts where, yeah. you know, for like a, a week or two, it's like, man, I, I posted Constantly. every day and it was great. And then, then it was like dead for like That's so months. me. That's so me. Why, why do you feel like it feels like it's just hard to be consistent? I think I personally struggle with a sense of avoidance sometimes. And so I'm like, first of all, I don't want to put something out there just to put something out there or say something just to be saying something. Um, and so if I'm going to post... I want it to be, I want it to be good. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I get in these moods where I'm like, oh yeah, I've got like six things I'm ready to throw out there, six pictures that I'm ready for Instagram. And then I like get stumped on one thing and then I don't post anything for a few weeks. And then sometimes that can turn into, if you're an avoider, I don't know. I just don't even go there. Is an avoider, is that part of the Enneagram? I don't know. I can't remember if for my type, if it is, but, um, I know there's also something called, um, it's called TKI, and mm-hmm. it's it's Thomas Kilman something, maybe instrument. But it's basically like your mode, how do you deal with conflict? Yeah. And one of those is avoidance. And it's, it's you know, when conflict arises, you basically, you know, I'm good. And yeah. it, not conflict necessarily like in terms of like other people, but just right. things that you feel in conflict with. Right. Um, and there's all these other sort of ones like, you know, the person who always agrees, you know, let's yes. eat there. Yeah, okay, sure. Even though they hate Oh, yeah. That I can totally be. I kind of float in the middle on that. I feel like I've gotten a backbone since being married, you know, <laughs> like you kind of grow into a sure. a different adult version of yourself. And so I kind of go back and forth on that. Like I'm agreeable, but I'm kind of at a point where I'm willing to be assertive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's a, that's a funny place to be as a business owner too, because mm-hmm. I, and I honestly just take it, take everything a day at a time, one client at a time, because nothing's ever going to be the same. No client's ever the same. No home's ever the same. And so being in a flexible mindset of like, I'm just going to do my best for what that looks like for this the situation, um, that's been a, a better mindset for me instead of expecting perfection from myself or also just kind of, yeah, checking my expectations on myself. And that's another way that as entrepreneurs, we have to stay healthy in our mindsets is making sure we're not disappointing ourselves all the times because of realistic expectations. Um, yeah, that's that's been huge. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned how you have people in your corner too who you have to, you know, yeah. Who will check in and help you have the right mentality and like joy is for you. Even just having a yeah. spouse that's like, you've got this, dude. Because those moments yeah. come where you're like, do I just go get a real job? You know? Oh, I've definitely. <laughs> I mean, and, I, and I've told her. I've said, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go get a real job, and she'll just be like, no, yep, you're not doing that. Yeah, which is interesting because I have, and it's it's like the classic cliche of like husband and wife in that I have other friends who are like. You're like, oh man, your wife must just be, you know, having a conniption back at home with you. You know, I mean, what is she? And there's all these like follow up things of like, you know, women just love security. And so you're not bringing in a stable paycheck. So like sure. what she, you know, is she okay? And, and it's just, it's just funny to me because she, yeah. it's, it's the opposite really. I mean, Joy is just always so, she's like, she's like, all right, what are you going to do today? Like, how are you going to? Oh, I love man. that. Or I'll be like, oh, well, yeah, I was meeting with this client and it didn't work out or this person stood me up, which is so funny. I just, <laughs> there's nothing that frustrates me more in terms of like my self-worth where I'm like, we scheduled it, I went there and you didn't come. Oh. But so she'll just be like, that's all right. The next one will be there. It'll be great. And so she's awesome. never had us in, We I've been in business for 10 months. There's never been one day that she's been like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she just has always been like, you're awesome. You can do it. And yeah. so I don't think I'd still be in business without her. Totally. So. Well, and it's good to realize um, just 
how special these business opportunities can be, you know, and I, Mitch and I have those conversations too, where we're like, Hey, it may be slow right now, but when it's good, it's good. And so let's keep fighting for that and, you know, help me stay encouraged and then help me talk about like how I can do what I need to do to get where I want to be. So mm-hmm. it's good to have those conversations and to have people in your corner for mm-hmm. sure. So and will you I- tell me about that, um, that, that group that you go to, is it BNI or uh-huh. tell me more about that? Yeah, so I, I so it, it and it, it kind of I guess the tie in here with like social media, for example, is, and I think it's why people get really frustrated with social media is that social media is totally a long game. Mm-hmm. In that I'll post something on LinkedIn now and I'll get like ten likes or fifteen likes, which is nothing, but for me it's big. <laughs> but when I first did it, it was like I'd post something and there'd be nothing crickets, yeah, nothing, and so you'd be like okay, I'm just going to delete this now. Or, you know, I'd be like, because you post it and you kind of refresh and think, okay, but then no one says anything. And now I've just started kind of building momentum and it's just really resonated with me. Okay, it's totally a long game. Networking is the same way, right? As you meet people, not even just for business, but just professionally, it it just takes time to build relationships with people. Yeah. And I'd venture to guess that a handful of your customers, probably it sounded like your first customers came from people you knew. Absolutely. It was from that network that was already there. And so that's, that's how business works, right? And so I think what's really frustrating or what's disappointing to people, especially related to social media, is we have this very much like, you know, McDonald's, I want it now. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's like the drive through for entrepreneurship. And so it's like, <laughs> yes. I posted, like, where are the customers? Don't or, you want this? Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, yeah. um, and it's, it's honestly what gets me really salty about free networking events mm. is that you'll go and everyone's kind of like, you know, aren't you going to buy from me? Like I just, right. I introduced myself. And so the reason I like BNI so much, which if you're listening, it's a national, international organization and it's a paid networking group. And so I, I remember when I first started the business, I had no money, literally no money. It was probably a really stupid financial decision, (laughs) but I was like, I feel like I really need to throw, I mean, it was like $800 and I was like, I feel like I need to put this money into this and see where it goes. Right. And so I've been in that group for several months and I, I mean, I, I've made so many great connections through it. I've gotten customers through it. I mean, it's, it's because again, you're building trust with people and, right. and the great thing about it being paid is that cause some people would say like, well, I would never go to a paid event. And it's like, well, I mean, on the flip side, the only people going there are like people who are actually serious about their business. They're in it. Yeah. yeah. Cause That's you're not going to cool. get, you'll have people who just in general are like, they're like, oh, I'm going to start this business. It's going to be great. But they're not really that interested. Right. You know? And so that's, that's what that event is and what I do with that and um, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like you've, you've touched on just the relational side of it just takes time. And so, especially if you're a relational person and that's an important part of your business or what you're doing, that's why it's so important to always be, always be working on those. Cause even if you meet someone or someone has an inquiry, like it may be months until they book, but you always want to have those, that dialogue going totally. And then it will just kind of, everything just falls into place, you know, within time right. you look back and you're like, wow, okay all of those months really worked out, but it just takes a lot of little conversations here and there, Mm -hmm. making connections, um, even asking for like all of, I would say all of my business has been um, word of mouth and Instagram. I mean, that's probably 95%. Some Google search is not much, Mm -hmm. um, but really just that word of mouth. And that's, that's huge. So if you're, I I mean, I guess every business really can benefit from that. So that Mm -hmm. really applies to everyone. So are you asking, 
after you're done with the project, hey, here's some business cards. Can you think of anyone to to share this with? Or would you mind leaving me a review? Mm-hmm. Being intentional about um, asking people to help kind of do that work for you. Because mm-hmm. if you did a good job and they're proud of what you did, they're absolutely mm-hmm. going to share it and say, well, sure. You know, it's just asking. I love that you said that because a lot of people, they get really scared doing that. It's like, yeah. you know, go ask them for referrals. Oh, I would, I couldn't do that. I mean, that, that would come across as selfish, but you're so right. And so I, I don't know how mentally you got over that block to actually do that. But I think getting to a point where I was really proud of what I was doing, you know, the first couple of years, I look back on some of those pictures. I'm like, do I just like delete my Instagram <laughs> feed from like the first yeah. two years? Please don't scroll back there. Yeah. Um, and I think just getting to a point where you're really putting out work that you just, you want to show off and self-promotion is a really weird thing. Maybe some people are more comfortable with it, but that's something that I just had to grow into of realizing I should be stinking proud of that before and after. I mean, man, that went from being totally crazy to being something beautiful and functional, which mm-hmm. is really important to me too. I don't want it just to look pretty. Mm-hmm. Like I'll even see some pictures on Instagram and go, you know, that looks really great, but dude, that's not functional or that's not going to stay that way. And so I'm getting to a place where I'm, you know, giving people into results that are going to last and be functional for their kids, for themselves, for their husbands. Like that's something to be proud of. And so it's it's been a hurdle, but just baby steps of, of realizing like I should be proud of what I'm doing and not being afraid to promote that. It goes back to that whole comment on like knowing your worth, right? right. In the sense of like, it's and it, these things are all tied together. It's like, well, if you're going to charge the right amount, if you're going to ask for referrals, if you're going yep. to ask for a re- review. Um, and for me, I had this, I had kind of a similar moment where I just was like, man, I'm, I'm really proud of what I'm doing. Yeah. Cause I remember I had probably like 15 people that I went to who I felt like were happy customers and said, Hey, would I you felt like, yeah, I, I felt like, yeah, no, I, I just, I can relate with that. <laughs> and, uh, Hey, would you write a review for me? And what's really funny is I kind of mentally wondered if they'd be like, that's so selfish of you. But literally every single one of them was like, oh my gosh, yeah. No question. I'd love yeah. to. Totally. And would you be okay if I put it on social media? Yeah, totally. You know, and actually I got a I got a sale last week and it came from a person, a review. I gave them a review from a similar business. And so mm-hmm. this is another customer. This is what they said. And because of that review, they went with me. And so I went back to that original person and said, hey, thanks for writing that. It just got me a great deal. And she was like, I love that. You know, what you're doing is so, so important. Cool. And so... And so I, I think what you're saying is really meaningful because it speaks to just at your core, you know that what you do, it's, it's you know, maybe it's not the best. Sure. I think it's the best. Sure. But it's at least, it's phenomenal work. Mm. It's, it's at least better than, and I think it's another way to think of it too, is I had a friend of mine who I was underselling myself and he was like, I mean, do you think you're better than your competition? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, so don't you want them to go with you instead of your competition? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, they're not going to hold back, so. That's good. That's a good word. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that also pushes you to make sure you're putting out the best work that you can. If you're really going to take it seriously, you know, and also you don't want to have analysis paralysis on the opposite end of that to where you're like, I'm not going to put out, put anything out there unless it's, you know, amazing or magazine worthy. And that's just not always the case whenever you're trying to get things rolling, you know? Mm-hmm. Something is better than nothing in some ways, but once you get to a point where you really um, know what you want to accomplish and know what you can do for people, it's good just to mm-hmm. put your best work out there. That way you can you yeah. can show people. Well, it's it's the expression "done is better than perfect." I like that, and that you know, not that you're like putting out really crappy. <laughs> 
it's like, ooh, that looks really bad. Right. <laughs> that was terrible, but here it is. Yeah, it's like a guy who was he was trying to sell me for web design. And I said, well, let me see your website. And he was like, my website? And I was like, yeah, let me see your website. And it was really bad. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know, man. Better not. But, uh, you know, it's it's going back to what you said, like, I think you're right. People will, most people don't buy on the first interaction unless they already are looking to buy right then and there. Right. Most people, I think the statistic I read was it was something like people will buy after the seventh interaction. Interesting. But most salespeople, which every entrepreneur is a salesperson. Right. Most salespeople stop after the second Wow. Because it's like, you know, rejection. And it's like, this makes me feel really bad that people keep telling me no. And There's a lot of assumptions behind that. There's so many assumptions, right? And it's like, I must be a failure. I must not be good at this. When it's it's literally, it's just the people, person needs more interactions from you. And it doesn't mean that you need to like call them and try to sell them. But it, it goes full circle in this conversation of social media of... You know, maybe it's it's worth it to not have analysis paralysis on. Is this the perfect post? Right. Or is this the right stuff? But just, hey, I'm, I'm getting one more interaction closer to the seven. That's good. And are you inviting people into that interaction, which I'm not always the best at? You know, you a lot of times you want to like end a lot of things with a call to action and that's good. But then sometimes you just need to invite them to interact with you. And I think, you know, that was spinning my wheels of like, how am I as a consumer, even on things that I may see on Instagram and go, wow, that's cool. I still appreciate them. Even if I, you know, end up buying in the future, it's my mindset is not, well, that's lame. And then it takes seven times to be like, well, that's awesome. No, I think it's awesome the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, You're so ready it to just buy. has to work on me. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really good to think of it. How would I be as a consumer or as someone that's in need mm-hmm. and kind of hitting those pain points and encouraging them at the same way that, hey, I'm just sitting right over here whenever whenever you're ready. I think that patience is a maturity about I think it speaks to like the genuineness of really wanting to help people in the sense of hey, I'm here and it, however long it takes you, man, I want it to be your time and when you're ready mm-hmm. as opposed to I want your money right right now. Right. Like I had a guy who called me to sell me something and I said it was like a cold calling service and he was like, you know, oh, I'll gosh. call I'll call businesses for you and it was it seemed like a great service but I said I said, you know what? I think I want to wait a month and just see, because I had a friend who was doing the service. He was already enrolled. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to see where he is in a month. And the salesperson got, um, it felt like angry at me hmm. and impatient in the sense of, I want to close this right now. Right. And really, I, I sensed this moment where it flipped, where it was like, okay, this is more about you and your sale than it is really helping me. Wow, yeah. And so I think you're spot on in, you know what? I'm okay with being patient. And if it takes us a year, I'll be here. Ta- yeah. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Cause it's, it's, I legitimately want to help. Totally. So I think that's a really great call out. It's a great point to make. Yeah. And, and it's, it's lowers that expectation that we put on other people. Sometimes, you know, that's not something to expect of other people. And so you're not going to be as disappointed if you're just open, you know, and that's another, um, that's a reason why I also charge for my consultations. So it's just you know, 50 bucks, but it's enough to where it's worth my time, even if they don't book anything, but they're, they're, they're committed to some degree of like, okay, I know I'm in this. I'm really interested enough to be willing to give you 50 bucks. So it's, mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, chump change to some people and other people, it's a small investment, but that at least gets us on that common ground that we're both fully there. And mm-hmm. I, it's not just like I'm throwing out free consults and meeting with anyone, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're both in this. Let's like talk about it. Yeah. And you got there much quicker than I did. Cause joy, <laughs> I, I think I had about maybe a six month process where I was doing so many free consults Sure, and the consoles would turn into like a two hour coaching session. 
Like, let's go all through your business. All for free. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's just a console, you know? And so I got home and Joy sat me down and said, you will not do another lunch with someone. I love her. Like you will not do <laughs> another coffee with someone. Anything you do from now on, you will charge them. Sure. And cause she just knew that I just, I just love to help people. And yep. so, oh my gosh, you need help. Yeah. Let's meet. Let's talk. You know, cause we would meet and it'd be great and it'd be a phenomenal conversation. And then it'd be like, but you know, it's really not in my budget to go any more than this. Right. And it's like, well, you didn't, we didn't even really go anywhere cause you didn't, you didn't pay me. <laughs> but so having that voice in my life, it was like, dude, like you are worthy of people's investment. And, right. and so that's been my approach from now on. And, you know, some people say no, but then there's people who are like, okay, yeah. Like I had someone totally. who, who they say, this is what it costs. And they go, okay, cool. It just kind of filters out those yeah. people that really aren't going to be fully in it. And so, right. and it's good to find a reasonable cost if you are going to charge for that time. You know, you don't want to like scare them off, but make it enough to where it's worth your time too. Mm -hmm. So finding well, that balance. I think in the sales world, it's called qualifying your leads. You're trying to hmm. qualify people on the front end of, because again, it's not about, it's nothing to do with like, um, it's nothing to do with like being really like prideful or arrogant. Like you're not worth my time. Oh, it's, totally. it's again, I love what you said. I mean, your time is your money and it's right. especially if only two or three days out of the week, like this is my time to do work my magic. Yeah. It, it It's worth protecting that time. And so I can't work with everyone. I have to only work with the people who I can make the biggest difference with. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's like a guy I was talking to who he was starting a in-home train, like personal training business where he would drive to people's home. And so we talked and about halfway through the conversation, I was like, so like, what kind of car do you have? He's like, oh, I don't have a car. I was like, you don't have a car? He's like, yeah, I can't afford one. And I said, well, are you, are you like meeting people like online? Like, how are you connecting with people? And he was like, oh, I don't have a computer. And I was like, well, okay. So are you calling people? He's like, well, I don't have a phone. And Whoa. I was like, I was like, how are you even talking to me? He's like, oh, it's my dad's phone. And I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, interesting. And it was after like 30 minutes. And I was like, why am I talking to this person? But it was like, right. part of me was like, oh my gosh, I want to help you. But then also, sure. I think this is what, I think this is, it's, this goes beyond um, even protecting your time. It's understanding that not everyone who expresses a desire to get help actually either has the means to walk out and execute that help or um, is really that serious about it. Right. It's like someone who might call you and say, man, I love what you're doing. I really want that for my home, but they don't. They say they want it, but they don't, they don't really, Right. it's like the, which is a weird place to be. We're like, I thought you said you wanted to hire yeah. me, you know? Well, it's people in general. We're, right. we're really good at being interested in something, but not really committed to it. I mean, I would love to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool idea. Yeah. Why don't I? Cause I don't really want to. Right. Same. And I'll, I'll just be honest. Oh, I, totally. I just deep down. I just don't really want to. Yeah. You know, no, Joy will say, we, you want to go to the gym today? No, I'm good. Yeah. And so I think we're the same thing with so many different elements of our life because we, again, we have that vision for what we want, but then we don't really walk it out. And so going back to qualifying your leads and qualifying yeah. your people, it it's time is so valuable. And even if, even if for me, it's, I care enough about you that I don't, I don't even want you to spend your money if it's really not going to get you sure. the result that you really want. Absolutely. And that's why it's good in those consultations to, with my clients, I'm like, okay, let's talk about your end goal because everyone's is so different. So identifying that to where you both have healthy expectations of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and then also if you're having a hard time where people like if sales aren't converting from those interactions, that's also a good time to sit down and evaluate like what you're, what you're giving them, like what could possibly be missing or what could you do um, 
to make them want to convert over to to hiring you or to converting to a sale. So what is that missing piece, if anything, or just making sure that at that consult, you're very clear on where you both um, are going to be aiming together. And that's something that's very important for me too. Like I said, some people want to invest a bunch of money into bins and different organizational products. And then other people are like, I just want to be able to breathe. So making sure we're on the same page and that way everyone's expectations are met. Mm-hmm. Powerful, so that's yeah. huge. That's, that's been really big for me, especially in a service-based business where it's not so black and white, like I'm going to get this product and that's it. It really, because there's a, a human that's running it, me, that, it, which again, this is what's so funny about, um, being a business owner is because I see the goofy, you know, person that I am. And I'm like, oh, that's funny that people think I know what I'm doing. You know, even though like, yes, obviously I do, but I still see, I still see me. Right. You know, and so that's another space that I'm stepping into of like, man, this is a real thing. This is happening, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it feels like it ends up being your best clients too. The people who, they don't just like your service, but they really like you. Right. You really are. Right. Right. And it's like, I like to go there with people. I'm like, yeah, no, let, let's have a relationship. This is, mm-hmm. we're going to be spending a lot of time together. We're going to be in your closet for four hours today. So I kind of want to know about your life, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that's different for every person too. So it's just kind of reading the room, but yeah. <laughs> I really, you know, not everyone. Don't talk to me. <laughs> exactly. You're like, okay, I don't think they want to be friends. That's yeah. cool. But just kind of um, evaluating each client and kind of tailoring how you operate with them based on their speed, mm-hmm. based on their emotions, based on you know, whatever those different variables are. Um, Cause as a service-based business, each product is completely tailored to that person. So mm-hmm. it's good to have those conversations. Well, and I think it's powerful from a customer service perspective to be a real person. And I, right. I, I work with a lot of business owners who some of them have the, I've had some people who have the expectation and I'm very professional, but when they think of like an executive coach or a business coach, they envision like this very, uh, maybe prim and proper or like academic. And I'm, I'm saying things like, dude, I mean, too. <laughs> like, too. dude, what are you like? What are you doing? Right. That's and, real. Um, I like that. Yeah. That's just, and that's just, you know, again, I think it goes back to being okay with your people saying no and not being your customer. And then the people who are, they really love you for yeah. who you are. Yeah. So, which that speaks, that speaks louder, you know, than if 90% of the people you interact with, think it's awesome. Listen to the 90%, like maybe take some notes from the 10%. It's, mm-hmm. If they, they might have some valid points, but you know what? Hang out with the 90% and then mm-hmm. just go from there. Yeah. So. Well, it's been really incredible speaking to you today. This is and fun. Yeah, this was fun. And I I just, I, I'm a huge fan of your business and I love what you're doing. And Thanks. if you are in the Northwest Arkansas area for our listeners, you absolutely need to get connected with Lauren. Is Instagram the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, or? Instagram. I'm at restore the home NWA or restore the home.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. And again, listeners, thanks so much for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or email me Blake at good Let me know what you think and we will catch you later. See ya.